Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I am wonderfully tired. How about you? Right? Hey, a couple things. One, uh, we completely dropped this, so I apologize, but uh, some of you asked about the thank offering and what the totals are. As of right now, and Diana says still some's coming in, the closest number we have is we have 3,200 that we've collected for the thank offering to give to Everett Gospel Mission. So that's really good, and more's coming in, so they'll be thrilled with that. And we'll have an actual total for you next Sunday, all right? So that's good. All right, so here we go. The Christmas season is upon us. Doesn't this look spectacular? I was like, we've been thrilling it, yeah, all week. Go ahead, clap. It's wonderful, you know? Yeah, lots of people put some work in. So for us at the church here, the Christmas season always kicks off with the step-by-step banquet. And uh, we were here last night, and I just want to thank you again. I want to praise you as a church uh, for putting it all out there and serving people you don't even know and who can give nothing back, right? And uh, there were just story after story. Uh, Kids, I, I had collected a couple of the napkins because the kids wrote thank you notes on them to all of us. And I had them in my back pocket and while I was running around, they all fell out of my back pocket. So then somebody picked them up because they were, you know, garbage on the floor, make it look good, right? So I, I don't I don't have those to read for you, but uh, uh, it was, you guys were spectacular last night. What a team. It was phenomenal. Um, great fellowship. And uh, I was just so proud of you. So many of you also operated behind the scenes. I mean, people never even saw you, didn't know what you were doing. And um, doing all kinds of things that other people will never be seen, except, of course, for Jesus. Right? I call that the Jesus account. That's a good account to have things in, by the way. Um, but, um, so a thousand thank yous. So I have also, um, special thanks to my wife, Pam. Right? Can we give her a hand? So she's organized the event every year. This is our seventh year of doing that. And uh, you could feel the momentum of that last night. We've got a lot of stuff figured out and down, and it really it really rolled. Uh, but, uh, you know, she puts a lot in that you guys never see, so it was really good. So what a way to kick off the Christmas season, right? I don't know about you, but it just makes... Uh, just walking into it really special. So we're beginning our, and you know what? I forgot the clicker, John. <laughs> Thank you, Cameron. By the way, Cameron shared his story at men's breakfast yesterday, and we had a lot of young guys there, and it was really good. Give him a hand. That was awesome. Thanks, Cam. Went really well. But we're starting our new series this morning. And Oh, I see you already got there ahead of me. Good job. Majesty to Manger. And... Uh, we're going to walk through this together. You can see behind me the throne, and uh, it's a, just a spectacular prop. Thank you, Chris Lankow. And, um, but Christmas has, when you, when you start to enter into it, what's so special about it, it just has kind of a special tone to it, right? There's just something different about it. Um, the season, the music, the lights like when Esther kicked into that, all of a sudden, every, we, did you hear us? We just went, Phew. Right, and it, we we were in sync together uh, because we recognized that the decorations, the food, there's just something other and special about it, and it's at best, at its very best, the season of awe and hope. Have you ever been awed? I mean, awed by something 
that God has done in your life? Just think through your life. Think through your journey with Jesus. Right? There's some pretty amazing trails in this room. Have you ever just been awed by, by what He's done? Have you ever just been awed by the presence of God in your life? And even anything He did. Just His, his presence. The old, uh, the old preachers used to say that uh, if you were seeking God's hands, you were seeking what He could do for you. If you were seeking His face, you were seeking who He was. Right? Just His presence. Awe, if you have any time, is kind of a special category in the Bible. Uh, it's not one that you can just look up and look up awe. There's a few verses, but it's not like, you, you know, here's how you awe God. And, you know, but if you look up awe and you look through awe in the Bible, you start to realize it's kind of a special category unto itself. Uh, when it when it comes for for example when the angels show up you think about those stories one of the first things you sense is just this overwhelming awe of their presence by those who saw them you know they don't sit there and go hey Gabe slap me five cool you know it's not that kind of thing right it's like it's it's shocking many times they fall down and and the closest description is just they're knocked out right by the presence. Uh, captivating. Um, for many, uh, the timeline for Christmas really kind of begins, began with the birth of the Lord Jesus, right? And that, that's appropriate as well because babies carry a certain sense of awe about them, don't they? Right? And uh, they are captivating. Speaking of babies, whoa, where'd my picture go? Ah, there it is. Will and Julianne, this is introduction to their daughter Penelope. See what happens when you show a baby? Oh, you bunch of mush balls. Look at you guys. Isn't it great? But babies do that, right? So if you see them, you can celebrate with them and uh, they'll be glad to do that. And, and I, looking at this photo and, and others like it, I, I just remember the miracle of my own children's birth. I remember just being stunned in awe, like, wow, I'm a dad. I just, wow. Just, like, I didn't have words for it. There wasn't a category for it. But I, I knew what I felt. And I knew how awe-inspiring it was and how, how captivating it was, right? And Christmas brings with it that sense of newness and hope, of approachableness. You know, babies just draw us in, right? We just kind of, and, and move in that way. But there's more to this awe thing that, that first meets the eye. The Bible indicates there's something far more intriguing and fascinating going on here than just a baby. As we've seen in our study of Mark, one of the big objections to Jesus was basically, basically this. Their attitude was, where do you get off making the claims you're making about yourself? Who in the world do you think you are? Like, are you crazy? You're, you're making yourself to be equal with God. Why, you're, you're nothing more than a man. Maybe you're a pretty amazing man, but you're nothing more than a mere man. So, you know, knock it off. And to these accusations, the Bible gives us some real tantalizing insights, kind of a peek behind the curtain, so to speak, and gives us some clues that impact our discussion 
uh, about Christmas and who this is that we're really talking about here this morning. To see what I'm talking about uh, this morning, we're going to start with a passage that you find in John chapter 8. And let me give you a little background on that. I, I find John 7 and 8 fascinating because in the language you read it, it's kind of tamed down, but there, this is a hot discussion between Jesus and uh, the Pharisees. It's a no-hold-bars kind of thing, and it's pretty heated. And the exchange is over who's legitimate. The Pharisees are claiming legitimacy because they are heirs and thus children of Abraham. And, and they're pretty proud of that. Jesus is claiming legitimacy because his, of his relationship with his father. The Pharisees, of course, mock this. We weren't born of fornication. What are they doing there? They're flipping it right in his face. What are they saying? They're saying, hey, we know your birth. We know your illegitimacy. Everyone knows that Joseph really wasn't your dad. And in an ironic twist of faith, they're, faith, they're actually right. Joseph wasn't his father, at least not his biological father. But Jesus wasn't illegitimate in far more profound ways than we can even possibly imagine. Would you join me in prayer this morning before we go further? And Let's uh, pray. Father, prayer is a wonderful thing. You help us enormously when we approach you and when we come to you. And we're in the Christmas season, Lord, that uh, is we live in a world that does not invite you. We have uh, TV shows and Christmas movies and all kinds of events that have everything in it but you. And we apologize for that. But we want this to be a place that you are lifted up and welcomed, that you're honored, that this is a place you'd feel welcome to come and visit. Lord, we, we want your presence. And we ask that you would help us as we walk through this. We're dealing with some things that are way beyond uh, my comprehension. And yet we know what the word tells us. So as we walk through this morning, Lord, we ask for you to validate it. We ask that you would put your um, fingerprint on it. That in our spirits you would highlight and uh, stamp some things that uh, are very clear and we seek you for that as we celebrate the season in your name. Amen. All right. Okay, in John chapter 8, so if you're there, Jesus counters the Pharisees' accusations with this fascinating claim. Okay, so if you're there, here we're, in, we're starting in verse 56. Take a look. So they're throwing it at Jesus, and Jesus says to him basically a little bit just before this, he says, look, if you... Hey, if you were Abraham's children, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing, first of all. This is not the way Abraham acted towards me. But then he goes on and he says this, Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. And he saw it and he was glad. And so the Jews said to him, you could add a what in there, right? You're not even 50 years old yet. And you've seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Now, it could have been taken, uh, if you read this at first blush, that Abraham, being a man of faith, had simply looked with the eyes of faith, right, down the corridors of time, and uh, had seen Jesus' day. But the Pharisees clearly understood that it meant something else. And it shows up in their retort. You are not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham? Right? 
Like, are you off your rocker? Is basically what they're saying there. They're dumbfounded by the apparent arrogance and delusional, what what would be called delusional brashness of such a claim. But it was not this statement, but it was his next statement that really threw them over the edge. Where he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And the response is instantaneous. They are so enraged that they pick up stones to stone him. And Jesus says, why are you trying to stone me? What miracles? Not for any of the miracles you've done, but you being a mere man claim to be one with God. And, and, and so they understood that. Jesus had just in their minds uttered a blasphemy that crosses on the line of insanity. And so they are reacting. And to understand this, we have to go back to one of the most famous stories in the whole Bible. And... Uh, it's famous today. We talked about it last week. We have to go back to it this week, again, to look at another aspect of it. But it's the story of Moses and the burning bush. And uh, we looked at this last week. And uh, Moses, so he's in his shepherding duties, and he's out in the wilderness herding sheep, and he comes upon this strange and miraculous site where there is a bush on fire. And the bush is not being consumed And Moses goes over to check this out because that's not your normal everyday occurrence uh, with fire. And uh, as he approaches, which we know is God, uh, God alerts Moses that he is in the bush and to take off his sandals because the ground he's standing on is, is holy ground and Moses complies. And then God begins to inform Moses of his plan. Moses, I've got this great idea. I'm going to free the people, your people from Egypt. And I'm going to use, I'm going to, I'm going to actually send you Moses to do that. Moses is overjoyed. <laughs> so he balks and he, he stalls and eventually in a delay tactic, he asks a pretty basic question. And he says this to God. If I come to the people of Israel and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, well, what's his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent you, has sent me to you. Sorry. Do you see that connection between what Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, and now God's saying the name? You can understand why they reacted. Um, This term, I am, is sacred in the Jewish faith. I am is the root, uh, if you take the, it's the um, consonants in Hebrew, uh, there's, there's no nouns to it, but uh, it is the name, it's the root for the name Jehovah, which we were singing this morning, right? And is considered so holy by the Jews that they wouldn't pronounce it. And the scribes, when they would write it, would take the pen that they were writing with, with the letters, and every letter they would break the pen so it could never be used again. That's how holy they held that. So I get a little nervous when we sing Yahweh, Yahweh, I love to sing your name, when I realize that's the level of authority it carries. Right? So for Jesus to say, before Abraham was, I am, is beyond mind-blowing. By the way, just for the record, if you're going through 
the stores or the shops or the whatever you're doing this Christmas, and somebody you hear somebody loudly over say, "Well, Jesus never claimed to be God." That seems to be on the popular rise lately, right? I've heard it several times. Um, they obviously have never read the New Testament or the claims he made like this one or others like it. By deliberate using this title, what Jesus is telling us is that he, Jesus, existed long before he became human. How do we know that? Well, let's look at some of the insight the New Testament gives us. Let's look at the Apostle John. We'll start with John chapter 1. This is a famous one. You guys know this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. John is using the name here, the Word, as a title for the risen and resurrected uh, Lord Jesus Christ. Right? John's gospel is a evangelism tool. It is in... Uh, used to convince people that Jesus was who he claimed to be, an apologetic, if you will. Two things of paramount importance for us this morning as you look at this, this simple verse up here. One is it tells us clearly that Jesus was God. And number two, he was in the beginning with God. This is the mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one, and although one, three distinct personalities. John goes on to say, by the way, we could spend a lot of time on that, right? But keep moving this morning. Uh, If you go a little farther down, he goes on to say this, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So when it says all things were made through him, I thought of two different levels this morning. One is the big macro level, right? So think here. Think planets. Think stars. Think solar systems. Think galaxies. This would include things like cosmological constants, the laws of thermodynamics, gravitational law, relativity laws, as Carl Sagan would say, the cosmos, right? wonder what he thinks of that now. And also think of this on the micro level. Think here subatomic particles, electrons, neutrons, protons, DNA, RNA, amino acids, proteins, all that kind of fun stuff. All of that, all things, macro, micro, were made through him. Without him was not anything that was made. The Bible's claim is that all things were made through him, the word, through Jesus. That is our stance of faith at this church and this morning. Colossians gives us a few more insights on this. This is found in Colossians 1. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him all things were created, that parallels what John was saying, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This passage adds two more very key pieces of information. Not only has Jesus made all things, but also he is the visible image of the invisible God. If you want to know what God's like, look at Jesus. That's why it's so important to read through the New Testament. That's why it's so important to read the Gospel accounts. Because you start to understand what God's like. 
Number two, not only has He made all things, but He also, just as importantly, holds all things together. Right? You ever made something then it fell apart? No? You've never had a home project? <laughs> yeah, I know how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get that real. Right? You ever made something then it fell apart? It's one thing to make something. It's another thing to hold it together. Right? God not only made it, but He holds it together. And it says, by the power of His Word. Who is that God? His name is Jesus. That's what Colossians is telling us. Uh, if you this visible image of the visible God, uh, there's other passages, Ephesians 1, Hebrews 1, that talk about this. You can explore that. It's a lot of fun. But I, I didn't want to say that for technical head knowledge this morning. I wanted to say that for a sense of awe this morning. I think sometimes we just get so busy in our life and we think our cell phones are awe. Okay? Our cell phones are a pain in the... You know what? And God is awesome. Right? And so when we think of a sense of awe, sometimes we have to start catching that bigger picture till we go... I've not quite seen that that way. Wow. It's not hard to be awed when you start compre- trying to comprehend the universe. For example, when we think of time, right? We are familiar with time and we can comprehend the idea of always will be. Something starts here and it gets to here and then it goes to here and then it goes through the wall and it just keeps going, right? Always will be. With that idea, we get it, right? That's what all the Marvel comic book movies are about, that this stuff is going to last forever, right? That's, that's the whole idea behind it. It will always be. What we don't have a really good handle on is always was. See, because there's always some start point. There's always some beginning. There's always some place that it has to originate from so that it can always go. What do you do with always was? How far back do you take that? Right? And then the argument is, well, God's outside of time. Okay? So that we don't have to think that way. What does it mean to be outside of time? A person who created the universe who's outside of time. Is that a little awe-inspiring? To get your head, that stretch your head a little bit? By the way, scientifically, we're so familiar with the idea that the universe is expanding, right? You want some awe? Expanding into what? It's the universe. Right? There's levels here. What I'm saying, people, there's levels here that God has not played all... We're chasing Him scientifically only to find His fingerprints all over the whole thing. There's a lot of stuff we don't... No, it should create awe. But you know why we don't have awe? Because we live in the city. And when we live in the city, we have what? Lights. And we have so many lights in Seattle, especially Mill Creek, here where we live, you can hardly see the stars. You ever walked out one night and go, oh, there's a star. Wow. <laughs> Haven't seen one of those, right? You ever done that? Like, and then if you've had the experience, if you're out in Montana or Nevada or Utah or somewhere out in the desert, Arizona, and there's no lights, and you look up and you go, wow, right? I remember one time as a family, we were over in Chelan, and 
I said, okay, we're going to do something spectacular tonight. And we piled into the burb and we took off and went up to 25 Mile Creek and there's a road up there that you can shoot up on the top of the mountain. There's no lights, nothing. It's pitch black. So we got in the, stopped the burb and I said, okay, everybody, well, here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. The kids were little at that point. Close your eyes. Dad, this is dumb. What do we do? It's a dumb dad thing. Just close your eyes. All right? Dads do these kind of things. This is what it means to be a dad. All right? So close your eyes. I said, okay, now keep your eyes closed. Give me your hand. Step outside of the verb. I said, now look up. What'd they say? They had never seen that. Okay? There are many, many kids who've never seen the stars. They don't have any awe because they don't know what they're missing. They don't know what they're looking at. So it's not too hard to be awed by the universe. But the miracle we're talking about here is even more amazing than that. We are talking about the universe. That size, that engineering, that power, that person condensed into the body of a baby this big. Think of that. How do you do that? You want to talk miniaturization? <laughs> think about that. We think tech is so cool because we've taken computers the size of this room and put them in the size of our hand. God's taken the universe and put it in the size of a baby. Okay? You want to one-up that one? <laughs> it's an incredible deal. We're talking about majesty. We have a throne up here. Chris built it for us, Shannon. It was his brainchild. And, uh, we originally were thinking of the series as uh, from manger to majesty. Then we realized we had it backwards. It was from majesty to manger. All right? And so we have a throne here representing the majesty of the person we're talking about this morning. See, we do the same thing with Jesus that we do with the universe. Yeah, whatever. You know, he's a person we got to figure out we are talking about unparalleled majesty royalty of unparalleled nature majesty a king a great king the greatest king from the greatest kingdom and the greatest throne in the universe we're talking majesty we're talking uh the chosen one the appointed one co-regent with the father and the holy spirit And that majesty is condensed, vulnerable, limited to a baby. That should create awe. One of the songs I really like at Christmas time is Mary, Did You Know? Uh, It captures some poignant stuff. But one of the lines in the song is, Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And that, Mary, when you kissed your little baby, that you kissed the face of God? Think about that once. What would it be like to kiss the face of God? It's powerful. You would have awe. You would have joy. You would have amazement. And Hebrews says this then, because of that, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That is not because we cannot be shaken. 
All right? I, we always sing that song, I won't be shaken, and I always look at Pam and laugh, and I go, that's ridiculous. We're shaking about everything. Okay? We're like leaves in the... You know, anything comes along. Okay? We're, but what we're talking about is not that we can't be shaken, but that our king can't be shaken. He can't be shaken. Right? And so this says, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We can be shaken. The kingdom can't be. Repent. What did Jesus say, Mark? For the kingdom of God is at hand. And let us therefore offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and offer our God as a consuming fire. Last night when we all gathered, if you were here, but if you weren't here, I want to tell you what we said. It said, you know, how should we treat tonight? It certainly could be a, 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 a good act, right? And a, a good works. I said, or you could look at it as ministry, right? Um, I said, that certainly would be a category that last night would have fallen into. But I said, I want to suggest something to you. Treat tonight as a night of worship. I said, we're used to nights of worship where we sing, and, and that's very appropriate. But this is a different kind of night of worship. It's a night of worship of just joy. I said, so that's Jesus who drives up. That's Jesus who walks in the door. That's Jesus who you're serving at the table. That's Jesus who you're picking up for. Make it a night of worship. Man, I'll tell you, this place glowed last night. If you were here, it was absolutely fantastic. And as I said, that's where we, we realized we had the theme backwards. We were going to go from manger to majesty. We realized it's from majesty to manger. He came from royalty. He was royalty. This should create awe in us. It's no mere baby. As Philippians tells us, it says there... Have this mind among yourselves, which was yours in Christ Jesus. This is the mindset that Jesus had. And it parallels the mindset we had last night. And why did we have joy? Because we were walking in Jesus' footsteps. That's what happens when you do that. Who, although he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. And here's some of the most important words in all of Scripture. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. God understanding our predicament and becoming one of us. Again, God condensed down to the size of a baby. God. When you think of God, do you think of God being vulnerable? No. God's all-powerful, right? What's a baby, though? Incredibly vulnerable. Think of a baby. How long can a baby last by itself? Hardly at all. Right? God in the size of a baby. How is that even possible? But the scripture tells us that it is, that it did happen. And I can't think of a better way to kick off Christmas and this whole season than with this kind of sense and spirit of awe. We should be a people that are, wow. Why? Because we've seen the stars. We've seen the sun. Would you join me this Christmas and uh, this season and let God enlarge your awe factor for you? Right? Don't just go through the routines of emotion, but let Him enlarge your awe factor. I'm going to ask the worship team, Esther and gang, to come on up. They're going to to lead us in a song that will help us with this. But I'm a realist. 
I live in a real world just like you do. And I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know our work environments aren't perfect. I know our home environments aren't perfect. I know our neighborhood environments aren't perfect. I know our inner worlds aren't perfect. I get that. And it's just so easy to become jaded these days. Right? Do you ever have to fight cynicism? Right? Oh yeah, there they go again. Yeah, right? It's just so easy to get caught up into that. Uh, Just to be skeptical. Is anything even real? Uh, To be sour. Right? (laughs) Right? Become a grumbler. Just a complainer. Uh, It's so easy to be wary. We don't live in a safe world. Right? We know that. And we we read every day about shootings and the evil running in our country is rampant. Okay? And it's not locked into any one sector. It happens across the board. When was the last time you were able to slow down and just be in awe of God and His unbelievable demonstrated love for you? When was that last time you had a... You know what I'm talking about. You've had it before. You've met him. If you've known him, if you're saved, you've had it. He was talking to you. He was close to you. Would you stand this morning and let's worship in awe our great Savior, Jesus our Lord.